There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, I'm Sophie Ellis-Bexter, and welcome to Spinning Plates, the podcast where I speak to busy working women who also happen to be mothers about how they make it work. I'm a singer and I've released seven albums in between having my five sons aged 16 months to 16 years, so I spin a few plates myself. Being a mother can be the most amazing thing, but can also be hard to find time for yourself and your own ambitions. I want to be a bit nosy and see how other people balance everything. Welcome to Spinning Plates. Hi guys, how are you today? What's going on in your world? I have just come back from, had a nice day today actually. Well, actually, let me kind of contextualize that a little. The morning was really stressful, but can I give a shout out and a whoop whoop to the lovely folk at the London Passport Office? Weren't expecting that, were you? No, because basically, clever old me, we are hoping, although it's, you know, I've managed my expectations with this, hoping to possibly go away somewhere during the summer holidays. But, you know, let's see what happens. Anyway, a friend of mine was round and saying, oh, you know you've got to have a six-month clear on your passport before you travel anywhere in Europe. And I was thinking, hmm. And I was mentally going through all the passports. And your mine was fine, your riches was fine. But you know what it's like with kids' passports? They go up in fives rather than tens because you only have a five-year passport. Bear with me. This is going to get... Well, actually, no, not very interesting in a minute. Anywho, turned out, Jesse's passport, my five-year-old had expired in January. So I honestly, if that friend hadn't mentioned that, I don't think I would have noticed or known until we probably got to the airport. And then it would have been one of those things where, you know, one of us has to stay behind. Or as my 12-year-old pointed out, Jesse just doesn't come on holiday. <laughs> Sorry, evil laugh. Anyway, as I was going to the passport office today, with Jesse in tow actually, who was in very good spirits about the whole thing, the tube I was going on got stuck in a tunnel for long enough for me to be 15 minutes late for the passport appointment. And I was pretty sure they were going to tell me that they couldn't see me at all because I was 15 minutes late. But no, they're really nice. They let me in. So shout out to the friendly guys, all of them at the passport place, because that was really nice of them. And it means that Jesse is free to leave the country for the next five years. That's interesting, isn't it? Then in the afternoon, I went with Kit and Richard to a matinee of a comedy show called The Comeback, run by the, the comedy duo The Pin. And it's brilliant. If you guys haven't been to see them before, if you're not that familiar with them, 
sort it out. It was so funny. It felt so good to be back in a theatre. It was so nice just to laugh. And there's something very decadent about going to a matinee. It was only an hour and a half long, but you come out and you just feel really refreshed and then you've got the rest of your day and you're like, oh, I've just done something really nice where I just got entertained for an hour and a half. So that was really cool. Now look, I'm talking to you. Life is good. Uh, So this week's guest is someone I've wanted to speak to for absolutely ages, actually, but I wanted also to time it with her music. So I'm talking about Natalie Imbruglia. Natalie Imbruglia has just put together a new album and it's sounding really brave and bold and beautiful. And I've always really liked Natalie. Our paths have crossed a few times over the years and I think you can hear it in our voices when we're chatting that we both like each other, which is always nice. (laughs) Um, And she did something I thought was so fantastic when she she always wanted to be a mother and she announced on her Instagram that her baby son had been conceived through IVF and she was doing it as a single mum and I think it's really incredible and I also saw an article maybe the next day after I spoke to Natalie talking about an interview with Amber Heard who had done exactly the same thing and she was saying she didn't realise how radical what she was doing was to sort of take charge with potential motherhood in that way and I thought radical that's a really brilliant word to describe it and obviously we all know that there are lots of options but there can still be trepidation and fear and worry about all these things I think actually probably for anybody who's waiting for quote unquote the right time to, to have a baby there's, there's those emotions attached aren't there when you start thinking about planning it but I think particularly to think you know what if I'm not in the relationship if I'm not if I've come out the other side of a marriage or a long-term relationship but I still want to be a mum what am I going to do about it how am I going to see if I can make this happen for myself so I thought it's just so brilliant, so brilliant. And then there's a beautiful new wanted, loved baby in the world and this is all good stuff, isn't it? So um, I love how generous Natalie is on speaking about it and how her strength comes out um, just in her life choices. Pretty, pretty powerful stuff. I'm not sure everybody is brave enough to make that happen. So yeah, I just thought it was really lovely and I'm sure you'll feel the same as I do. And I'm going to stop waffling on it now because I think it's always better when the guests set themselves. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's time for tea, of course. You know I have it by now, don't you? White with one. Thank you very much. No toys in it. Thanks, Mickey. And I'll see you in a minute. Enjoy. Well, we can we can start and we can start with the here and now because... Obviously, I was supposed to see you in person, but um, yeah. you had issues with childcare, and I just—I yeah. <laughs> wondered if the novelty of that has uh, has worn off yet. For having your yeah. first first person in the world, first baby. Yeah, the novelty's <laughs> definitely. People don't tell you about the childcare situation. It's because it's quite boring. How, <laughs> how <laughs> integral it is to. Yes. But I've thought about you a lot, and thought about that you're superhuman I'm to not. manage what you manage with your tribe. I really. <laughs> I think I'm probably then, a little bit do-lally, but I don't know about superhuman. Well, they say after you've had two, it's just kind of just all the same, right? It just gets well, easier. Well, you see, I believed that, but actually I don't think it's true. So, <laughs> especially after I had three and they're like, oh, after three, you have another one. It's just like, oh, but it's just it's all the not. Same. Mm. It's more, every time it is literally adding an extra level of um, peril. Work. <laughs> yes. Work, peril. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so, uh, so I fell for that a few times over, to be honest with you. But do you know what? Nothing is as significant as that moment where you go from, you know, the, your old life to having a baby. And I wondered oh. if, um, if you had that experience that I had when I had Sonny. And I felt like it was almost like everything I'd done before I had him was sort of part of a previous chapter. And now it gave me this new, it sort of invigorated me with my work, actually. Because it felt Absolutely. like I needed to do new I was, stuff. I came out of a long period of writer's block. So when I was writing for this album, I was pregnant. Ah. And 100%, just the focus and the joy and unconditional love. It is, it's, a, it's a different experience. It's, it's exciting and it's something I'd wanted to be a mum since I was a little girl. Mm. So it was a long time coming for me and I think, you know, with the job that we have, it can be quite, what's the word, superficial in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. I think. And I think just having, I, just, I had a desire to be a parent also at a certain point in my life because there's something about the selflessness in being a parent is kind of exciting, you know. Yeah. Um, so, so something more important than yourself. Definitely. So this, just so, you know, the, your little boy is now 20 months. Mm-hmm. So um, really, I mean, I just think those first three years are just extraordinary because they go from this tiny newborn where they can't really do anything for themselves. And then by now, by 20 months, presumably he's... Really pretty, pretty busy and starting to chat a little bit. And <laughs> He's not saying words yet, but okay. he's definitely trying. <laughs> he's got his own language, which I seem to understand. <laughs> Isn't that funny as well? When yeah. They have a babble and you're like, yep, I, I actually get yeah. what you mean there. <laughs> yeah. That's it's, really sweet. It's, it's been great and it definitely, I would say it definitely helped my creativity, if anything. Yeah, so you talked about having writer's block. I didn't realise that. How long do you think that was going on for? At least five years. Five years. I don't know if you know Roddy Hart, if you've bumped into him around the traps, but he um, came down to write with me. He's a great artist and also, like, radio DJ, everything. And um, I literally, it was when I was living in Notting Hill, and I couldn't sing a note, and I kept going, should we go for a coffee? (laughs) And I kept, like, trying to, I literally couldn't do it. It was a terrible feeling. So after that session, I didn't try for a long time. And um, I, just, I just got to, it was the last tour, which was a covers album, reconnecting with the audience. And you know the joy of being on stage. I mean, I've seen you up there doing your thing. And it's, it's such a great feeling that I, I just thought, people want to hear what I've got to say. My fans really want me to do it if I can just get over it and find a way back, mm. um, you know. So I didn't realise that, so you literally had a session where you just thought, like, any excuse, but you just it just didn't feel you could sing. Terror. Terror. Terrified to try and sing a melody. To, yeah, like, just crippled with fear. It's so bizarre. I had to do a lot of work on being able to kind of walk back into a room with a stranger, and I'm sure there's an added pressure um, if you fall into writer's block, if you're also a known person, because you think there's an expectation. Yeah. I think it's even harder because, you know, if you're insecure and you think people expect you to know what you're doing and then you can't even, you're crippled with fear. Mm. Um, so it sounds crazy now, but I actually had to listen to my own albums to to remind myself that I wrote those songs and really kind of take that in. Yeah, so. I wonder where that comes from as well. Is that, that sort of, do you have like almost like a voice in your head telling you you can't do this anymore, you're not good enough and things like that? Or was it more just uh oh, I'll tell you how it happened. I got dropped by a label after three years of work. They didn't even release it. I think they only released it in, 
Australia and That's New Zealand, and feeling. I still don't know why. Maybe it was financial to do with the label. I have no idea. But you're just kind of like abandoned, dropped at a point in your career where you just wouldn't imagine that that would be the case. And I think it was a decent album. There's great songs on there. Mm. But, I, I mean, I just was convinced the universe was telling me that I shouldn't be doing it. I mean, I really believe that. <laughs> I think it's healthy to take a break as well. So if you're not, you know, for me, it was a time to kind of kind of go and have a little bit of a breakdown. And, and I, I was a judge on X Factor for a year in Australia. I got time with my family. And, um, and then I studied acting. So I was creative and I did other things. But I'm sure it was, it was all related to that experience. Yeah, I think um, as well it's, it's really heartening when you can get back into it because I think I've had lots of periods as well where I felt like there's no one, like if I decided like I, if I couldn't find it again or if I didn't know what I was up to or just lost my way a little bit, no one would be like, no, no, we need you to get out of bed. You haven't got that itinerary, you know, waiting for you for the next day. So you almost mm. have to be your own your own cheerleader, really. And if you say people, you know, they do that small talk thing of what you're up to. But if you just say, oh, this and that, they're not going to be like, no, 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 you need to get back into this. They just take it from you if you're not doing it at the moment. That's just mm. what's happening in your life. And, oh, that, you know, that's a shame. I loved it when you were singing. Okay, well, you know, tell me about <laughs> exactly. your other projects. You feel like you've lost, you're your own cheerleader for a lot of it, I think. And I don't think... Everybody really understands that. You feel like you're kind of in a trajectory. But actually, there's a lot of, there's a lot of impetus that just comes from you wanting to get up, up in the morning and do it. I mean, I look at people like you and just think, wow, just the, the drive that you have. Because it does require, a, a, like, a lot of self-confidence to keep on kind of doing that and pushing forward. And, you know, I think I've just had bigger bouts than some others of insecurity in that. But it's it's been even sweeter when I've managed to kind of you know, write a song that I'm proud of and then it was like a snowball effect. And it's just perspective. I mean, it's just changing, believing in your head that you can do it. Yeah. Um, and I was determined to, because I love performing and yeah. it is a different thing performing your own songs and your own stories. Yeah, and I think to such, it's funny because you're, to me, you're so synonymous with being a performing artist and a songwriter, a singer, that... The idea that there was actually even that long where you were struggling with it, I was actually, I, I wasn't expecting you to say that because to my mind, it's it's such a good, you know, it's so clearly like your your passion. And mm. I was watching your new video and there's so much life and vitality and positivity in all of it. Um, mm. It's like clearly resonates on every, you know, in every cell that that's the thing that you want to be doing when you, you know, how you want to be expressing yourself. So I think more so now than ever. And yeah. I just think um, becoming a mom and that being in place for me, which was something that, you know, possibly could have contributed to me feeling like everything's not in place for what I want my life to be. It could be that as well. And it has given me that kind of that peace. So I can probably focus easier on what I'm doing. And, and there's just, there's a lot more joy in my life. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. you've alluded to the fact you wanted to be a mum from when you were really little. And you come, you're quite a big family, aren't you? Is that right? Yeah, three sisters. Three sisters. Okay, and where are you in the lineup? I'm always curious. My poor dad was railroaded. <laughs> um, so I'm the second eldest. Okay. But I behaved like the eldest. My, my <laughs> older sister was a bit more shy, and I was like, ah, oh, you got to get out there. You know, I was kind of like breaking ground before everybody else and kind of, I'm going to be a star. <laughs> Apparently, I used to say that a lot. <laughs> Um, I was a terror. 
And did you look after the little ones as well? Were you quite sort of, do you remember having them uh, around yeah. your feet? Yeah. I remember, um, especially Laura, the baby in the family, I think that we had a very close bond. I think when you're nearer in age, when you're a teenager, it's a bit harder. So I think it was harder for my sister, Michelle, because mm-hmm. I wanted to hang out with my older sister and then your younger sister wants to hang out with you. And there's this yeah. weird, it goes, I'm sure you know with your kids, you probably see it. <laughs> yeah, seeing it a little bit now, yeah, as they get into that, that next stage. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, I was very nurturing. I, I always, I mean, you have an idea of how your life will play out. So it, it was something that I thought would have happened in my early 30s. Yes, mm. and I did you, yes, presumably if you come from that family and there's lots of talk about all of that as well, it sort of surrounds you, doesn't it, about, oh, you know, when there's the grandbabies and when you get married and there's all these sorts of markers that you've kind of got in your head as the, the way it's all supposed to, you say, the way it's all supposed to. And society. I don't think yes. we really realise how ingrained that is mm. until you find yourself in a situation where you're the road less travelled, which I happen to think is really cool (laughs) now. But as you're going through it, it's quite intense. And those feelings come up of being different or, you know, or or not, you know, I ended up divorced. Who who would have thought I didn't, that was not the plan. Mm. You don't, you know, that's not why you get married, obviously. Um, And so then that sets you back. And then that, you know, takes you a while to even want to be in a relationship again. And, you know, at this point, it's already way past where you thought you'd even be a parent. And then you can't find the right guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Suddenly there's a biological clock. There's so many factors. And I think this is, it's an interesting topic because there's a lot of women out there who find themselves in that situation. Not everybody, but some of us. And Absolutely. It's not, it's not a choice to do it instead of. I think that's an important point to make. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, you find yourself in a situation, what are you going to do with that? You yeah. Know? And it's wonderful that for someone like me, there are, there are ways and means. Yeah, yeah. No, I think, I mean, I've had lots of conversations with lots of my, I mean, I'm 42 now, so there's, you know, definitely, that I've got close girlfriends who've been in exactly the similar place where they thought they thought they were on one trajectory and then find themselves somewhere else. And as you said, once you've been in a relationship where you've been married or been very committed, the idea of then having to deal with the fallout of all that and thinking, oh my goodness, this wasn't supposed to be my life. Yeah. I had a completely different idea of where I was at. So you've got to mourn that. Process. Yes, process that, exactly. I think sometimes as well, if you grow up in a household where your mum and dad have had a really sort of quite wholesome family life, it's quite, it actually has a sort of little pressure to it, actually, um, because then if you find yourself on the outside of it, you feel like you've kind of not done the thing that you were sort of, the thing you came from, actually. So I think you can yeah. feel your own pressure from, from that as well. Um, but I think... You know, as you say, when you get to the age and you think, right, it's time, you've actually got choices to make. And obviously there's an ideal way to start a family, which is usually, you know, two committed parents and the baby. But if that doesn't happen that way, then there's actually a wonderful range of other options. And I think it's it's brilliant to be able to look at all of them, you know, and decide what works for you and actually be involved in that decision-making. And can you remember sort of when you first had the idea of sort of going it alone um uh I don't think it's I don't I don't think it was necessarily uh I can't really say without going too deep into my whole path that I don't really want to talk about yeah fair enough so it's tricky but um I just all I can say is that for me 
I just knew I really wanted to be a mum. Mm-hmm. And so that was my driving thing. So it's just, I just kept going with that feeling. It's almost like, you know, your baby's going, yes, keep going, keep going <laughs> from the other side. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, it, obviously there was ups and downs and there was difficult periods of, of that, but there was this pure desire um, to have, to give love to a child. And I had so much love to give. And so I just, I just, you know, I trusted in that and, yes. and that kind of guided me. Do you I'd know say. the Bjork song, I Miss You? Do you know that song? And it's all, I miss you, but I haven't met you yet. And it's all about that emotion of sort of waiting for this, that maternal love and knowing that that person is out there and you have this feeling of like, they're there. I haven't met you. I don't know you. I don't know what you look like. I might not even know your name, but I miss you and it's, I'm going to find my way to getting to you. I don't actually know that song, but funnily enough, I wrote a song in Nashville um, before I was pregnant about that. Really? I know I haven't met you, but I've known you my whole life. Oh. I can't remember the next lyric. But yeah, I wrote a song. And, and I said to them, that. I want to write this song about this child that I haven't met yet that I'm going to have. And yeah, it's a powerful yearning. And I don't know if guys really understand for a woman how strong that desire is. I mean, it's yeah. a very powerful yearning uh, in you if you have it. Because obviously it's so completely personal and I don't want to say any, ask you anything where you feel like, ah, but... If there were, because I've got, I've literally got a girlfriend at the moment. She's um, she's forty five, mm. and she's just starting the same process. Are there things about it that you wish you'd known, or wish someone? Had I wish. Told I think you? what's important, you know, on the journey is 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 to have support. And so, if ever I meet even strangers at a dinner party and they're talking about wanting to do IVF. I give them my number. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, and say, ask me anything. Uh, because it would have been really nice to have that. And I've, I, I've offered that, you know, and you see these women well up. Yeah. Because yeah. It, there's still some kind of weird taboo around it. So I think um, support and any kind of support I can give to anyone or just encouragement mm. to, to seek that support out I think is, is worth um, is worth letting people know that it's not yeah. something you really want to be dealing with on your own. No, I wouldn't um, say, yeah, I can imagine that. And I'm actually quite surprised to hear you say you think there's a taboo because... Um, you wouldn't think so until no. you're in that situation. I think there's, um, for a lot of women, it's it's kind of like, oh, can I talk to you? You know, they, they come up to me like that. It's like I've become a trailblazer and I wasn't even trying to be. These, It's funny. It's like having the courage to do that and feeling like I was going to get I don't know what kind of something back at me or judgment or whatever. In the end, I've received nothing but love, nothing but support, nothing but encouragement. And and that's been really reassuring for me um, because anything you and I do, it's on a much bigger scale. Obviously, we're in the public eye. But yeah, just being able to ask questions. Women need to share. Women need to support other women, you know? yes. I think that that's something I've always been big on um, uh, in our industry or in life. You know, I love women and I just, I, yeah. I hate to see women not supporting other women. Yeah, and no, I'm exactly the same. It went, so when you put out your post, yeah. you, how did you feel when you pressed the 
post button and then you just... Oh, my God. (laughs) I jumped in the car and headed for Oxford and was like, ah, (laughs) what's going to happen? And then I was in tears within five minutes because when it hit, it was like so much love. And you'd be surprised how many people DM'd me going, I need to talk to you. Yeah. Um, You know, thank you so much for being open about this. Um, So, yeah, although I don't go into the details of it, I think it's important that people know um, that it's something, yeah, to, to be open about that. Yeah. And I think, um, I think everybody likes to know that there's happy endings out there waiting for them, you know, and Mm. there's no more, you know, a a wanted baby has got to be, you know, one of the most moving things really actually. Oh my goodness. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Whatever that looks like. And I'm quite a spiritual person and I feel like, you know, the soul that is your child finds you yeah. and, you know, you're meant to be together, whatever shell that comes in, however that looks, you know. Yeah. It's such a beautiful way to look of it, look at it. Yeah. And that leaves it open to kind of a family can be anything you decide it to be. Some people's biological family doesn't show up for them. Yeah. And so they have to find their family in the world. So yeah. I, think, um, I think where thankfully times are changing and what family means is it, it looks so many different ways now, which is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Late bloomers tend to have more curiosity. They tend to have more resilience. There's stories and mythology that this country has woven around black men. What if everything we've been taught is just all wrong? What's worth more than this fear right now? And that rising after failure is part of the glory of being a human being. Listen to deeply personal, insightful, and thought-provoking stories from the world's leading thinkers and doers. Listen and subscribe to The Unmistakable Creative wherever you get your podcasts. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. And actually going back, I don't know if I phrased it right when I said about having a baby and I was saying... What I meant to say is the the easiest way or the most traditional way or typical way is normally to, you know, a committed relationship in that. But actually, the, I think there's so many times that doesn't happen. My own, uh, I have one, one of my sisters is adopted because my my mum, I'm sorry, my stepmom and my dad found it incredibly hard to have a baby. And that taught me such a big lesson when I was 17 and um, Dulcie came into our lives because it really really showed me beyond all doubt that family is this it just when that that baby and that child is part of your life it's just like oh yeah that's my that's my sister <laughs> yeah like from the get-go and I'm yeah. really I'm really glad that I've I've had that experience firsthand because I think it really set me up well actually for everything that's happened in my life with family my family is very <laughs> it's been a very amorphous thing not just in mm-hmm. all the kids I've had but in my own upbringing I went from being a single child to um my parents and then they separated when I was four and then out of that came dip, 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 like babies and different <laughs> things on different sides and extra bits of family and now it's sprawling you know and I got married to Richard like he had his mum and his dad there and I had like okay well here's a 30 of my family on the other side you know and I think 
I just think that's it's it's been yeah good good preparation really for for what family can mean actually and that's why I've got family tattooed on my arm as well because I've got you know good friends I would count under that banner as well. Oh gosh, yeah. I mean, I've been separated from my family, you could say, since sixteen and a half, purely because of work. I was Mm -hmm. working in Melbourne, and my family was two hours away on a plane, Mm -hmm. and that's from sixteen and a half. And I was a determined kid, but I had to find family in the world. You know, my parents aren't in a situation where they can jump on a plane and come visit me in in the UK. I go home every Christmas, Mm -hmm. sometimes twice a year. But although I was very independent, everybody needs family. So my friends and my family, like I've I've found in in different countries in my, my life I had in LA or my life here and you know, you find your tribe. So whether your family's around you or not, you, you know, some people have a great relationship with their family, but then they also have their friendship family. And Definitely. Um, yeah, you seek it out, don't you? And there's things that, that I mean, friends are for life, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, especially some of the girlfriends that I have that I met early, early days of, of coming to the UK on Portobello Road, actually, <laughs> in Jimmy B's Cafe. I don't know if you remember that one. <laughs> but I made some lifelong friends in that cafe. They said I used to hang around there on my own like a weirdo um, and they felt sorry for me. But <laughs> I've just got some really long-standing friends, you know, friendships that I solidified before everything went crazy with Torn and, um, and yeah, kind people of that are really very grounding. Ground, yeah, that is, that's pretty crucial actually. Mm. Um, and to- talking of seeing your family in Australia, so what's, how has it been for you for the last, because I suppose I'm trying to think of my chronology here. So... You must have had your baby just before the world I took tilted. Is that October right? October 1st, and then I flew home. Okay. And this was before, this the first time I flew home with Bubba. He was tiny, and, and that was, there was no pandemic. Mm-hmm. Second time last year was quarantining and <laughs> all of it. So you went, you went home last year, you managed to do it, and did you have to go in the hotel and all that kind of I thing? I went on my own. And we were in a hotel on the Gold Coast quarantining the two of us. But you know what? It was actually a really bonding experience because I have a support system here and nannies that helped me and I went on my own. And so it was really great to just be me and him for two weeks, um, special bonding time alone before we went um, to mum and dad's. But also great you got to go home and actually see your parents and stuff. Very much so. My dad's a bit poorly, so... um, it's important, and I'll yeah. probably go again this Christmas, so I'm probably looking at another two weeks quarantine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah. your mum and dad must be like, but when, when, are you looking at flights? Can we just get something in the diary? <laughs> exactly. pining to see you, and presumably he's the baby of the family right now. They're in, oh, <laughs> watching him with mum and dad, and he's obsessed particularly with my dad. They have a very special bond, and, yeah. and that's really important really well, important that they get that time together so yeah and I think yeah. you know everybody loves a baby but I think actually your timing's pretty good because you have this like very happy joyful little person in amongst everything else that's going on and I think it's just like everybody can kind of gravitate towards that so he probably gets a lot of attention I would imagine a little bit a little bit spoiled <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, that's yeah. Like, everyone's they, kind of obsessed Yes. Oh, I I know that feeling. That's a good thing, though. (laughs) He'll thrive in that. Absolutely thrive. (laughs) Um, So when when you've wanted a baby, you know, very very much, and then you find yourself pregnant, did everything was it kind of the way that you imagined it would be? Do you think? 
Before you were pregnant for the first time, did you ever dream, have a dream about it, of having, like, a baby in your tummy? I thought I'd be... My, I found that my first pregnancy really tough because I wasn't very good at it, that's what I thought. I was... I really God, struggled. you wouldn't think that now. <laughs> if you had well, got five. <laughs> I sort of got, got better at it, I think, but mm. the first one in particular... Um, I didn't realise it, but I actually had something called preeclampsia, which is like this really unglamorous pregnancy condition where you get really, really puffy and headaches and um, had swollen ankles. My feet like grew a shoe size. Oh I my just, goodness. I didn't want to see anyone. I didn't really want to do anything. And I thought, oh, I'm just, I'm just really bad at this. So when I got diagnosed the same week I ended up having him, which was early, so he was born at seven months, I was actually quite relieved because I thought, oh, I'm not just bad at pregnancy then, there's actually a reason. But um, Gosh, yeah, I think that's it was intense. A, it was a bit intense, but also I didn't know any other way. So it was just, mm. it just was how it was. And I think I think I was quite disappointed, really, because I thought I was just going to be one of those women that was, you know, really feeling great and really good at it and have a natural birth. And instead it was a kind of complete opposite on everything. You definitely front. got <laughs> to that natural place because I saw you at Carfest mm. and you were pregnant and you yeah. were just like, I don't know. Were you staying in a tent that night? You were totally chill, yeah, kind I of was, wandering around. You looked like you were breezing it. I mean, I, <laughs> but I also saw you come off stage when you just had a baby and will perform on stage and just be like, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but I don't so know you if I would have had that confidence that. with the first one, to be honest. Yeah. But then well, you were- I had a dream. I had this dream that was so real that that there was a baby growing inside of me. So that was something that I was really excited about and looking forward to. Yeah. So I really enjoyed that part of it. Um, <laughs> the last month or so, oh my God, it's kind of intense. It's a bit comedic as well, doesn't it? I felt, you sort of feel pregnant, like to the end of your fingertips, like just every <laughs> yes. part of you is pregnant. And that, by that point. The acid reflux, oh my goodness, oh, mine no. was so bad. When you're short, these things, like, you know, it's even more intense. So, I mean, I was just sculling Gaviscon pretty much. But um, yeah, so it, was... it can't be that different depending on your height because surely the gap between a, it's not going to be like I haven't. Oh got yeah, like a... no, it makes a difference because yeah, everything's pushed up. So if you've got more space for everything to push up, it doesn't really affect as much acid reflux. But that would mean I'd, I'd have to have a longer. But I think I've got quite a short torso. <laughs> a short torso. <laughs> I think sitting down, I could be any. I could be dinky yeah. easily. <laughs> <laughs> like when Richard and I stand next to each other, he's nearly six foot. But our legs are the same length, so it's my body that's. Wow, that's you've got a short torso. <laughs> so you did you have did you have the same? Yeah, issues? really yeah. bad. Oh my Sometimes gosh! Sometimes I find like old packs of Rennies lying around from like uh, yeah. to completely all the time. I, I remember I had to keep doing this thing like stretching my neck up all the time after after eating probably like a cat or something. It was just so I love. I, I don't know about you, but I love my food. Mm, yeah, and there's this, there's there's Definitely. this. They don't tell you this bit about being pregnant that you're really hungry. Mm. But you can't actually necessarily handle a big meal. No, no. So you've got this appetite and then it's this decision of, but are you going to have that full bowl of pasta and have a (laughs) massive acid attack or are you going to control yourself? There are a couple of times where I pushed through and that. (laughs) Times where I was really happy that I was home on my own, where afterwards it's just like literally hyperventilating, just waiting yeah. For the body to recover while you, you digest, digest the quickly, pasta. please. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm just <laughs> thinking. Actually, you've you've done absolutely loads, even throughout all this time and trips to Australia, because you've written. So how much of the you've written a whole album, and also mm. it's coming out in September. Is that right? 
September 24th. September 24th. But the first single's already out. Out. Which is really exciting. And it's brilliant. I really, I find it so catchy. In fact, when I was setting up the tech side, I had to stop myself from... But have you? Do you feel like you've been? Did you imagine you'd be sort of doing as much and still so driven with your work, or were you a bit worried about that, or has it just felt very natural? I think when I got to the place where I stopped singing, stopped music, and allowed myself, and I think it, it's a courageous thing to do, but I encourage anyone who gets to a point of disillusionment to take a break away from, and not just carry on for feeling like this is my lot, this is what I do. If you stop believing in something, especially as an artist, it's okay to find other creative channels and do other things. Because when you come back to it, and for me, to make the decision that I was going to find a way over this writer's block and get myself back on stage singing my own stories, and then to do that, there's a confidence in that. And Mm. I think just with age and wisdom you know what it's like, you just get to, you, you, as the years go on, you just feel more relaxed about, you don't care so much what people think. Mm, you do definitely. things more for yourself and for the pure joy of it. It's not about destination. So I've just had such an incredible experience writing this album um, and then recording it in lockdown, which was recorded in my barn here where I'm sat now um, with my riot. And we had to figure out a way to do that. That was such a joy. Um, in fact, we had the luxury of more time because of lockdown. We could yeah. take longer to do it. Um, and you know when you just feel so good about the work that you've done, it really doesn't matter. Like I'm not kind of going, oh, what's everyone going to think? Like I'm so elated about it. Mm. This, the, the songs are my truth and I feel so good about it that I'm like, it'll, it'll find its place. It'll find who, who's meant to find it. The people that are meant to connect with it will. I just don't sweat it anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, it takes too much energy. Yeah, but um, actually everything you're saying, I'm doing lots of furious nodding because I think that that's so much, certainly for me in my 40s has been so far all about that feeling when you said about just doing things because it just it's making, bringing you happiness and you feel excited about it. And actually the, the process of putting it all together is is the fun bit and is the joy of it. And it'll find its right place. I felt I feel like that about the work I do as well. It's it's actually completely yeah. it's so liberating. It's yeah. The older I've got, the more I'm I'm present in the now. Like people ask me about two months time, I'm like I really don't know. <laughs> Even if I plan a holiday, I don't think about it till I'm literally on the plane mm-hmm. because I'm just my life flows better if I just concentrate on the now and live in the now and. Um, obviously I, I do work hard. I'm a perfectionist. Anyone who works with me knows that. So I'm, I'm very detail-oriented with how the song should be. But you know, when you get to that point, and I'm sure you can relate to this, where you finish it and it's almost like letting it go and then it's not for you anymore. Then yeah, it's, yeah. it's like for the audience. So there is a sense of, of release and relief in that, that now it's kind of like the fun bit where you get to perform and everything, but you're not so focused on kind of the perfection of how the song should be and all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you've, you've, you've signed that bit off now, so you can just enjoy the next bit. I kind of like all the phases, though. I think they've got, they, they all give you a different kind of um, outlet or some kind of satisfaction. And... Yeah, yeah. And also, I always feel like when I've got to the end of each stage, I'm like, I'm in the right headspace for the next bit. It's like, okay, I'm now really sort of change gear. Like, okay, yeah, now I'm ready to do the live thing and I'm excited about that. But when I'm doing the recording... The idea of going live with it, I'm like, oh, I don't want to think about that now. I just want to focus yeah. on... Yeah. It's don't a care very different... It's yeah. different, isn't it? Even yeah. how you sing the song, like how you approach it. 
is yeah. a very different thing. I've been doing that yeah, now because I'm obviously, you know, learning the songs again for live. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, it's almost as if I didn't write them. And you're like, oh, you know, the breathing and all of that. And yeah, it's because yeah. it's a completely different thing, isn't it? The exactly. way you approach things for live. Yeah, and I always think when you've toured a song for a while, it's like it grows legs because you're like, oh, okay, now it's sort of, it's taken on a slightly new dynamic or something that's shifted in it. So it's almost got, it's like it's next life. Yeah, you phrase it. things differently or, yeah, yeah. Exactly. or you slightly change it up yeah. naturally. Yeah. But I loved your kitchen disco. Oh my God, you, you, got, <laughs> you got us all through so much. I have to thank you for that. Was, and the outfits. Well, thank you, but I did find that. I, I quite laughing because it, it really was a very barking um, <laughs> response to a pandemic uh, in a lot of ways. But um, you know what was one of the best things was actually the distraction of it as well because I think, mm. you know, everything was so intense and I actually, um, I had zero creativity. I couldn't, I couldn't think about any new ideas, any songwriting, nothing. My brain just sort of seized up. Um, so performing became this really good outlet for a lot of that tension as well of just I it doesn't matter if there's nothing you know I'm not writing new songs by the day I'm just going to focus on learning the lyrics to a Prince song <laughs> and then uh, working out what to wear and getting some new tinsel curtains and just just giving myself a distraction it was very important to me that I think. But I also think that's good for the next thing you write because there has to be those, as, as a writer, as you know, there has to be those periods where you, you're just living or yeah. performing or whatever to, to, to inform that next project. I think Definitely. those gaps are, are really useful. They are, well. and actually, the longer that... I think as well, when we first got the news about everything in lockdown and, you know, you sort of taking it day by day and the sort of anxiety of that, I think um, I didn't really want to give too much space in my life to the sort of lockdown time I didn't want to be like oh I learned this about myself or it's had that significance I was like you know I didn't really want to give give the pandemic anything if that makes sense but actually it it's now been such a such a long time and so defining I feel quite differently now I feel like no it's it's actually worth just taking stock a little bit and mm. letting the dust settle and seeing seeing what what did surprise you about how you we affect all of us actually effectively coped with being a, a sort of tra traumatic situation because it is it's crazy, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I mean, it it's is. Still, it is crazy. It yeah. does feel slowly like we're coming out of it, but not completely. Yeah, not completely. we are coming out of it, but still, it was like a collective, yeah, a, a sort of traumatic event, really. Especially the, for me, the, the thing that bothered me so much about it at the beginning, the bit I couldn't get my head around was how abstract it was. It was like the whole world globally, we're on this, <laughs> this is all, everything has to stop and, and do things differently, but you couldn't see where it was coming from. So you don't, you could go and see your mum, but you might be carrying something you don't know. And when you give her a hug, that might pass. Just all this sort of invisible, abstract I found nature. Them. It was hard. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Right. I found the first lockdown quite hard. Mm, me too. I think yeah. there was a lot of collective fear going on. And, yes. You know, I think once we got the hang of it, things got much, much easier for the second one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what a, what a crazy... Sometimes I, I imagine kind of skipping ahead to, to years um, from now, talking to our kids about it and, and, you know, yours have lived through it, but I, mine might probably remember it. But just what what an experience to have lived through. Yeah, yeah. I just never would have thought we'd have to deal with something like that in our lifetime. No, and also for you, you had a 
very little baby through that. And mm. I think for some people I've spoken to when they've um, been uh, become a new parent around that time, for some people it tapped into lots of anxieties as well about, about that and about all the stuff that, you mm. know, the casual stuff you can normally find yourself part of, whether it be baby groups or going to the cafe or anything casual that you can put in your day just to mm. get out and about or see a friend or have someone around. Um, so I guess there must be lots of people who are still, you know, being introduced to to your small person. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I well, the good thing was he was so little that it wasn't quite that stage yet. So it. it but, but for you, did you not miss out on sometimes feeling like you could go and see people, or or did you quite were you quite happy? I suppose if you lived somewhere I mean, a bit more. I think I was, I don't know if this is just because of the age that I, I am to do it, but I was quite happy to, I'm a bit of an isolate. I don't know if you know that about me, but I'm pretty, I go through phases of like kind of hiding away anyway. So more than most people, I think I, I managed okay. I mean, I moved out to the countryside and I, I, I float so, around yeah. in the middle of fields and, and can go days and days and days not seeing people without that being a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if that yeah. sounds weird, but um, it sounds like you're I, quite well prepared for a lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> I think of all the personality types, yeah, um, I do okay. And then, and I think that there was enough interaction. There was enough, like if I needed, there were people I was in a bubble with that I was able to see. And, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, of course that'd um, be true. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. But the good thing was being able to work from home and be yes. able to go next door and get a hug. Yeah, yeah, and have yeah. that. In, in the middle of the day or just tell my producers, I need to go and get a hug. I'll be right back. You know, that was, that was great. <laughs> and, well, actually, if you are someone that's used to your own company, did it feel like a big shift when suddenly it's not your own company anymore? Because that's something that happens when you've got a baby. You suddenly you're not... You've got someone I that think, comes with you, like, literally when you go to the loo and, like, everything. <laughs> you know? I think what's good about it is um, the part of my personality that would sometimes, you know go into dark places like that just doesn't happen Mm. it's different you know like there's somebody else that needs you and I think that's been a benefit because I can't indulge those that side of myself or that you know um, where I can take things too far and hide away or you know not be able to get out of bed which you know it's just that is the joy as well when it's just not about you and um, not to say it's not valid to have those days and need those days but it's great to, um, it's a distraction from that in a really good way. Yeah, yeah, and purposeful as well. And I know that um, uh, a while back I spoke to an artist called Carrie Reichardt and she was talking about times when she's she's very open about talking about her mental health and she'd had um, big struggles with depression. And she said that one thing she'd found really helpful, like a, a tip someone had given her was to find a cause bigger than yourself. And it just made her sort of took herself out of indulging that thing. And she, I mean, she actually already had kids. So for her, this was probably all linked to mm-hmm. hormones other as well. Thing, yeah. yeah, and other things. Yeah. Um, but she, it really resonated with me. And I thought, actually, I think that is, that is a really good way of looking at it. This thing of finding a cause bigger than yourself, because then you become part of something. And being, having to be present and you know, help with your, you know, get for your baby a child. Get, oh my yeah, goodness. Exactly. Yeah, you, yeah. You don't have that time in the same way. If, yeah. you know, it's obviously all very bespoke to the person. And, but I think it can be that, that way of just, yeah, lifting yourself out of that stuff and just being like, the day's begun. He's waiting for me. What are we going to do? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think it's the nature of the mind as well. Mm. I mean, too much idle time thinking is not healthy for anyone. 
Mm. I mean, it's like, because the nature of the mind is to question and, and, and then it goes down these rabbit holes and, yeah. you know, so being busy is a really good tool. And like you touched on earlier with the job that we do, we have to create our own schedule. Yeah. Because otherwise there is too much time for the mind to kind of, you know, so I think I learned early on about, you know, whether it's when you're in a creative process about booking writing sessions and showing up and just, it's just about creating some kind of structure because we have a very unstructured kind of job. Um, mm-hmm. We have to bring the structure into it. Which you seem very good at that as well. Um, I think, again, I've got better at it. I think mm. um, I've definitely made mistakes and a couple of times I've tried to go back into work things, I think <clears throat> actually very maybe too soon after I've had babies. I mean, that's an incredibly personal thing, but just for me, I know that I've sometimes done things and then found myself feeling like, I'm not ready for this. I don't think, not so much writing, not the creative side, but more performance-led things, you know, just finding yourself putting on your heels and your makeup and just thinking this is... And I know I did like a video when my second baby was 10 weeks old and I know people do that kind of thing and they're fine with it, but I just wasn't really... I just felt very... Um, like a yeah, like a, an egg wow. with its shell taken off. I just felt very, <laughs> very, very vulnerable. Um, yeah, but yeah. I suppose. Well, how did you find the creative side? So, did you were you surprised at how smoothly? I mean, it sounds to me from the outside looking in that that writing the album and finishing all those things off all tessellated quite nicely with still having a you know a young child. Yeah, you know, I was working really hard. But there was just a sense of peace about the whole thing. Mm, I'm really And I guess that. it's down to that journey of, of for so long, um, you know, wanting to be a parent and finally getting the chance to do that. Um, I'm sure it freed up a lot of my headspace. I don't know. I just know that I've, I've, I've had projects and albums where I've been working and it's felt like kind of, you know, uh, swimming upstream. Mm. And this one felt like I was in flow. Yeah. Um, and both times I've kind of approached it the same way. I just think also in life, sometimes things, even if the if the product is great at the end of it, some things are more of a struggle than others. Definitely. I'm so grateful that this one was just, just joyful and, mm. you know, hard work, but just I felt like it was just flowing. Yeah, and I'm um, getting but that word you use, peaceful, is a really good one because that's actually what I'm getting, radiating a lot from you at the moment, which is lovely. And I think... It's also about, you know, sort of right thing at right time and serendipity. And I guess you get to this point in your life and firstly, with motherhood, you've been able to, you know, maybe give a bit of perspective. So you're not focusing so much on the pressure of the songwriting and what kind of an artist. It's like, no, no, I've got this time. I've got the childcare. So I've, I've better make this count. Let's just get this done. Yeah. And then I get back to my, my hugs. Um, <laughs> but also having a good team around you, actually find, finding the people that actually give you that space and don't, don't make you feel like that uncomfortable pressure. They're just, everything's a lot more nurturing, isn't it? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot more organising that goes into it now. And I I can't even imagine how the touring thing's going to play out. We might have to have a little chat about how, about yeah. how you do that. I'm like, how do you tour? Well, you can do, like, you've got options. I mean, okay. But it's up to you, really. It's what works for you. I mean, for me, I think when. What have you done? Have you tried lots of different ways of doing it? Um, well, <laughs> I suppose the fundamental is you, you take them with you or you don't. <laughs> that's, that's like, that's the first, the first decision that needs to be made. <laughs> um, and I've done that both ways. And for me, I find when they're, when they're little, like babies, I would mm. definitely have taken them with me. And actually the tour I did when Mickey, 
So that's my last baby. Mm. Uh, he was about five months and I just mm. loved it. I loved it, loved it, loved it. But I was touring with an orchestra and the whole thing felt very wholesome and okay. sound checks had a harp and, you know, like okay, he was in a yeah. Moses basket. But once they hit, like, basically once they're mobile, I find it easier not to bring them because for me, divvying up my head between motherhood, you know, roles and all the things that come with it and focusing on work, I was just, I was just struggling with it. So I just mm -hmm. felt like it was easier just to be a bit selfish with my work and take that for me and go and do what I needed to do and feel like I'd done a better job and then come home again. But I just, yeah. make, my, I just make my trips short. So mm -hmm. I'll get the okay. you know, last flight out or the last first flight back if I'm traveling or you know, get trains up on the day or whatever it is to make sure that I'm, I'm home when I need to be home. So yeah. that's how I, the longest I've been away, I think, is maybe like 10 days, I think, since I've, since I've had kids. Okay. But it's, okay. it's incredibly personal because I remember going away, hmm, one of them was tiny, and I was in the middle of the night the night before I left feeling terrible about being away for, I don't know, three nights, let's say, when they were mm -hmm, still breastfeeding, mm -hmm. I think. And I went online, and I was looking things up, and all you find are these forums. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> if you've ever been anywhere near it, don't go anywhere near things like Mum's Net. It will fill you with guilt. And it's all <laughs> okay. these women going... Well, that might be all right for you, but personally, I never could. I could never leave my baby, but if you're going to leave your baby, then I wish you all the best with that. So it just, it just did not help. So okay. do what works for you. I, I, I get the impression you've kind of sussed that out already, but I think it took me a long, much longer to kind of work that out. Yeah, I didn't read any, any books. <laughs> yeah. I just thought I know my personality and I'll lock into an idea and then someone will give me another idea and... So did you look, so, was that the case from day one? You just didn't look Oh, yeah. Into I, was, I made a conscious decision. I'm not oh, going to wow. read anything. Oh, I, I spoke to, I got advice from, yes. you know, lots and lots of people and, um, you know, yeah. So I was talking to people, but I, I was taking what I wanted to take and yeah. letting go of what didn't resonate with me because ah, you learn clever. very smart. early on that there's not one way to do it. Yeah, yeah, that's very um, smart. And also Google mm. is just, you don't even know where this this take is coming from, you know. You, you yeah. get, but if you go to people specifically, you'd be like, okay, I know exactly your perspective on this and I know that your advice comes from a solid place. Yeah. So I can rely on that. Yeah, so I'm, I'm a bit anxious about that side of it, but like you, I'll, it'll be trial and error. Yeah, you and know. you don't need to race ahead, actually. You just take mm. it as it comes, you know? Mm. Who knows what's around the corner for any one of us, really, with all of it, you know? Um, mm. And we've all just had, you know, obviously a big lesson in that when, you know, we, we, I've literally had, you know, work in the diary and then it's like, oh, no, you're not going anywhere. You're staying in your house for, <laughs> for 10 weeks. Um, yeah. But I think, you know... With, Did you have to cancel anything? Oh, loads I of stuff, I mean, I, yeah. I didn't have anything booked in, luckily. I, I was, was actually going to Australia, funny recording. enough. <laughs> Oh, really? For <laughs> yeah. a tour? For a tour. I was going to do something called the So Pop Tour, <clears throat> mm -hmm. um, which was all around Australia and New Zealand. And um, I was quite looking forward to it. It sounded really cool. Richard was going to come with me. It was going to be two weeks away, so I was a bit nervous about that, but I was geared up for it and I had lots of tips of where to go and places to visit and all this stuff. And then, yeah, everything. I had a whole, you know, oh very busy work year. I was about to hit, like, non-stop touring from sort of spring to the end of the year. So everything is wow. very, very different. Um, mm. But I think, you know... You adapted quickly, though, and, you know, put your creativity into other things. And the disco thing, that would have been a lot of organising. Oh, I mean, so I... No, not really? Uh, Richard did Off the tech the side. I, 
I, mm. you know, did the decorating and got the kids ready and we choose some songs and nah, it's fine. Did they love it? Yeah, they did actually. I think it was they funny because I never really sort of asked them directly. <laughs> but I would always just say, we're going to do a disco on Friday, do you want to come? And, you know, see, see who turned up really. And they used to make me laugh because quite often they'd say, oh, no, I don't want to do it tonight. Or it'd be six o'clock and we'd always go live at half six and they'd be like... Like my nine-year-old, he was, I don't know, seven when it started, he'd be like, nah, not coming tonight. And I go, okay, fine. And then he'd turn up at like 25 past six dressed in a sort of like monkey head and, <laughs> you know, yellow gloves and a silver suit. And he'd be like, oh, okay, you you have come. So I think <laughs> really um, sweet. it was sweet. And actually my eldest, I kind of said to him, you don't need to do this anymore if you don't want to. I think Mickey's all right now because at the beginning Mickey was crawling. He was 14 months and then by the end he was walking. And I said, I think mm-hmm. I'm okay now. And he still turned up and I thought, Maybe you kind of like it too. That's sweet. That's <laughs> but, um, sweet. Yeah, it it just gave us something to do. As I said before, really, it's like that really was the main thing. I didn't I didn't feel particularly creative, if I'm honest, but I did mm. I did find a way to distract us. Yes, that was quite handy. Well, we but, loved it. Ah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you know that's funny that all the sh- the little shoots that from the seeds that was you know sown last year, they're they're the things that kind of I've ended up doing. Like all my everything I keep myself busy with now is like a new. Project. Oh really? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah, it's been um, nice. So, so podcasting and yep. Are yep. you going to be Are you going to be touring this year? I've been doing bits and bobs, um, but my own tour won't be till next year. Now, next spring. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, just going with the flow. I mean, you know what it's like with our work. Anyway, you have to be quite used to the fact that everything can change at the last minute. You know? <laughs> no, we're kind of planning things, but we still don't know what's exactly. really going to happen. I'm talking. Of, have you had a gig yet? Have you sung live since? No. Well, I just announced today there's going to be a Lafayette. I saw gig that. Happening. So is that your yeah. first? That's my first. Wow. So <gasps> how? Do you... <laughs> yeah. That's going to be great. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it'll be great. So that's it'll the first great. gig in how long? Not to try and scare you, but just 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 oh to be gosh. curious. Years. Wow. More than three. More than three. Well, you know, I actually think I had a gap like that over three years um, after I had my first baby. Mm. And I was really nervous. And as soon as I walked on stage, I got such love coming back from the crowd. Just, you know, Mm. incitement that all my nerves just evaporated. Mm. Um, And I'm sure for you it's going to be even more so because you've got a new album and all this new stuff that's come out. And I just think... Yeah, so... I, There's I, a lot of songs that'll be great for touring and the bands all heard the album and they, they just love it. Yay. So, yeah. I think when you know you've got a body of work that leads... it, Because sometimes I make albums that are a lot of mid-tempo songs and can be a little bit, <clears throat> can be a little bit harder for the tour. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the beauty of having, you know, a few albums to choose from is great for a set. But this one, there's just so many songs that will be fun to play live so yeah just excited about that yeah and I mean can you can can you kind of believe that you're here with this <clears throat> new record having gone through the writer's block and all of that which sounds like something that's very very tricky to deal with actually and probably something that at the time you probably didn't even tell many people that it was running that deep because it's I don't just, think I really admitted it I yeah. mean even the whole campaign I did for the covers album you know, I wasn't kind of being honest about that's what was going on. It's not something you kind of talk about whilst it's happening. It's easier to talk about it in retrospect. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, I can see how, I, I look, I think, you know, you get knocks in life and it can be hard and it can affect you. It's not like when you're a kid and you're invincible and, you know, nothing will stop you. I think as we get older, we're a bit more fragile and things, you know, are harder. But 
like I said, it makes it so much sweeter when you can overcome those things. So for me, uh, it's like, yes, there was a really hard period, but I just focus on the fact that I, I guess, had the courage to kind of overcome it. Yeah. And the result has been so much sweeter. Mm. Um, And I'm just really enjoying it. And I think the key for me is to keep writing because I don't want to, I probably in the back of my mind, I'm worried if I stop, you know. But can you? I do tend to have two bigger gaps between projects, Sophie. I could work on that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, don't worry. I'm the same. I think gaps are good. They get kind of uh, given a bit of a bad rep, but actually, as you said before, they can actually be really, really fruitful. And I think... I suppose, you know, what I was trying to get at before as well, you've got mm. obviously got all the new music, but also you're here with your baby. And do you think, you know, there must have been times when you thought that, that, that this day might not come? Oh, God, yeah. Absolutely. And I just didn't, couldn't imagine life without that experience for me. I was like, I just couldn't see it in my mind's eye. I couldn't relate to it for me personally. Yeah. It was that important. And that made it easier for me to keep taking steps, investigating, thinking about, you know, how it could be because it was just that important to me. And it probably did, I guess, that yearning to be a parent probably did have an effect on my focus with my work. If I look back now, if you think about the timing of everything, that was probably weighing on me heavily as well. So I think the combination of those two things happened at the same time. You know, I guess there's a link there as well. Yeah. You know, just the worry. Well, and also, but when you're being creative, it all comes from yourself anyway. So it's not like, if if you're not feeling 100% resolved, then yeah, it's Mm -hmm. it's got to be. It's it's completely, they're completely linked, aren't they? Um, Yeah. And that's... I, there's only one question I always ask people, which but it's just, are you the sort of, is, I suppose it's broad, um, I'm just trying to think how to phrase it, sorry. <laughs> um, it's okay. Are you the sort of mother that you thought you would be? Um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm a better mother than I thought I would be because I'm a lot older than I was, you know, when I would think about that, I was going to be much younger and I think that I'm a lot calmer. And because it happened later for me, which was not the plan, I think I'm more patient. When I was a kid, I used to have this fear that I was going to be overprotective and, you know, a little bit like suffocate the child with fear and anxiety and worry that something would happen to them. And I think I've surprised myself at being um, more more relaxed. And I think you see that in your child, don't you? you Definitely. and so that's been quite a nice reflection back to see that that those things aren't really there, and that's probably just because it's happened a lot a lot later in life. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's funny because you spend a lot of time thinking as well about about the you know what kind of a mum you want to be, but actually your kid teaches you a lot about what they need from you as well. And oh yeah, I think that's something that people take for granted is that you know we're here to kind of set them up in life, but. They're not our property. (laughs) Not, you know, it's separating those two things and going, yes, you've got to protect them. But it's quite cool when you realize they're teaching you so much about yourself. Yeah, yeah. And and what and and probably for you, having so many different personalities, they probably all need a different thing from you. I would imagine. No, you're completely right. I feel like I'm a slightly different mum with each of them, really. Um, Mm. But I think that thing you said 
you know, a, a way back in our conversation about that's the, who they are, the kernel of who they are kind of finds its way to you. I, I really, I really get that. And I think also it kind of really surprised me because you spend so much time expecting this baby, but then when you have that, when you see them, they're like, it's like you see the whole person they just happen to be a baby when you meet them <laughs> yeah. does that make sense yeah no it totally I'm very spiritual so I think on a soul level so uh, for me it was always something that from a very young age believed in reincarnation believed you know I'd been here before and all of that had a sense of it um, and I don't expect that to be everybody's experience but certainly for me with being a parent it's something that has helped me mm-hmm. um to think about it in those terms and, you know, uh, children that have been here before that are like really old souls, you know, you yeah, just, yeah. Um, yeah, so it, it's trippy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it is. Um, well, just to sort of um, let you go, because I know that um, you've been very generous with your time and we also had that silly, sort of, probably about half an hour trying to actually work out how to be that we could actually speak to each other and record it. Um, <laughs> I'm glad that bit wasn't recorded. <laughs> Yeah, me too. Just going, oh. it's incredibly boring. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, for for anyone that's out there that has, is about to start on any journey to motherhood, I mean, which way they work it, is there is there anything that you think has been a really good bit of advice that's helped you um, with where you're at follow, now? Follow your intuition. Follow your heart. Don't listen to anybody else. Um, I think everybody knows what's best for them. And um, you shouldn't let anything deter you or frighten you from, from, from doing those things, you know, whichever, whatever parenting looks like to you. I think, you know, follow it wholeheartedly and reach out and try and get the support that you need. Um, I pride, probably tried a little bit too much to be a soldier. And so I guess I'm, I'm always very open with people about, you know, answering any questions, obviously, don't talk about it in the public eye, but I'm just saying, you know, if ever people have approached me at parties or meeting people through friends, I try and, and be as supportive as I can because it would have been nice for me to have that, so. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I also think the thing about not reading stuff and making that work for you is a really good idea, actually. I think sometimes we're in such an age of information that you can probably go down lots and lots of rabbit holes with all that. Um, oh, people are very, you know, quick to tell you about breastfeeding formula, be opinionated about this, that, and the other. And there's just not one way. It's just not one way. Just do, do what feels right for you and you can't go wrong. Yeah. And, you know, kids need love first and foremost. That's what they need. Absolutely. And actually, I think uh, if you can't really... We have to accept that when you're raising someone, you're going to screw things up anyway. That's just like complete <laughs> yeah. given. But I always feel like if you, yeah, raise a kid in a loving, safe home then you've got, you can't actually screw up that, that badly. <laughs> well, exactly. And I think, I think we're all um, made better from our broken bits. You know, mm. if you think about, you look back at your history with your family or my history with my family and there were things that you could consider to be, and you're like, well, you know, everything that's led me to be who I am is, is you're a product of, of that. And they're all things that have, that have made me great. So there's not really any bad bits. Yeah. Any, any bad bits. Has it surprised you that how, how strong you've been to make such big decisions for yourself like this? Yeah, I do. I often, I remember thinking, looking at my niece when she was 16 and a half and thinking, how was I living in Melbourne in an apartment on my own working on television? Still now, that kind of freaks me out. 
And I'm like, how did my parents let that happen? Well, they didn't have a choice. I was going to run away. I mean, I was like, I'm doing this. I'm going to be on this show. You can't stop me. I mean, the way I spoke to them was awful. Um, and I think some of us just are born. I just had this, I've, I'm a bit of a soldier. I just have always had that kind of independence. And, and so I don't think it's necessarily because my parents weren't providing <laughs> themselves for me. I think it was just how it was meant to be maybe because of the things I was going to do in my life and I needed to be self-sufficient because I was going to be living abroad and, you know. So it served me very well. Yeah. No, I think because when I, I remember when um, I first, you know, knew what was happening with you and heard you having a baby, firstly I felt so incredibly happy for you. But also I just was really impressed. I just <clears> think <throat> there's something so cool about anyone that just you know, takes their destiny into their own hands. Like, honestly, mm. I think it's absolutely wonderful. And look at the magic that comes out of it, you know? This it's new person is in the world. It's like, it makes yeah. me emotional just just thinking about it. I think it's well, so Well, because I remember so you, you had your little one and you'd come off stage at Blenheim Palace and I was dying to tell you. I was like, I'm pregnant. Because nobody really knew at that point. I was so excited. Yeah, yeah it's lovely. It's just been great. It's just wonderful. It's a really lovely thing, and I think it's so inspiring. I really do. I think, I think it's like, yeah, I think it's incredibly strong, and I think not everybody actually has that resilience. Um, and it was a long to, journey. It was like you know a good five years. Yeah, so. I know, but not everybody mm. gets to the point of actually changing their life. You know, that's some. It's not an easy gear to to do. And I know when I, I have one girlfriend who I'm really close to, and she's been an amazing. Um, support for me over the years and she she doesn't have her own family and when I said to her I was, I was having a baby she's a bit older than me and the first thing she does crying she went I've, you know you've made a big change in your life and I never did that and she didn't mean about being a mother she just meant about just switching up the script actually just being like mm. this isn't working for me I need to do something about it and actually it's like not, not everybody nobody get does that and there's never it's never too late to make those changes but it's just yeah it's, it's always just, freed me out to do that. It's always freed me out to kind of, you know, if if I feel like I'm just going along because I think I should and I'm not happy to make those changes. It's like a reset. Mm. Um, and it is courageous, but it's always served me really well, even if the payoff is years down the line. Yeah, yeah. I'd say it served mm. you well, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> As Natalie talking there so brilliantly, doesn't she? She's just really cool, right? I love uh, people that I speak to where they're not flamboyant about their strength, but actually they're just getting on with life and doing things where you think that's really brave. I'm not just talking about how her baby son came to be in the world. I'm also talking about, you know, when she talked about moving away from her family home when she was only a teen to be in another part of the country, in Australia, and also when she went back into the studio after having what she says, you know, pure terror about songwriting. These are not small things to overcome, are they? They're pretty powerful, big, big things. But look, look at the passion and love that comes back into your life and all the happiness when you've actually got the other side of all those, those big challenges. So yes, impressive stuff. And hopefully you found it a little inspiring too. I'm sure you did. Um, there's something else I want to talk to you about. Oh yeah, the other thing I did today, <laughs> back to me. <laughs> The only thing I, other thing I did today is I sent off the final, final manuscript of my book with all my final changes in it. And I actually felt really sad saying goodbye to it. So essentially, 
I didn't realise it. I finished writing the majority of the book at the end of March. Then it goes through edits. Then it goes through copywriting. So like all the bits where I repeated myself, which might shock you to hear this. I've done a couple of times. <laughs> um, that all got taken out. Then it went to a lawyer. Then it went back to me and made some more changes, added some more bits in. Then it went back through the same process again. Lawyer again, copy editor again. Then my final changes, which has happened today. And then bye-bye. See you later, book. And I miss it. I've really loved that project. And you know, one of the saddest things for me about writing the book was that I couldn't put all the names of all the amazing people in my life in the book. Because essentially, you're going to read it and I want you to be able to, you know, get the gist of the anecdotes without getting bogged down in too many characters and names. But for me, oh, it's sad. There's so many amazing people. So it's going to be a very long acknowledgement. I've already started to write all the names down. It's going to be good. Shout out to the girls in my coffee shop. Shout out to my first teacher. <laughs> Not really. But anyway, you get the idea. I think that's all I have to say to you for now. I'm really glad. Thank you to Natalie for speaking to me. Thank you to you as ever for lending me your ears. As I uh, wind up talking to you, I can see my kids are playing in the garden. My five-year-old Jess, the one who came to the passport place, he's got obsessed with basketball. He keeps trying to do slam dunks because he went to see uh, Space Jam 2 the other day. And he really, they're all a bit inspired by this basketball. It's really cute. Keep trying to dribble around the garden. And um, Mickey, well, he's just in his nappy trying not to get uh, bonked on the head. And yes, I do know he's getting a bit big for nappies, but hey. Please, no judgment here, please. No judgment. All right, I will leave you to the rest of whatever you're getting up to. Uh, let's hope it's more interesting than my exotic going to get a new passport anecdote. Probably won't bother retelling that to anybody else. And I think that's all. I will see you next week. Have a good one, folks. Let's keep it sweet. Goodbye. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.